Welcome to the Restoring Our City podcast, our platform where we have candid conversations on today's topics to help connect our community. Be sure to check us out at restoringourcity.org where you can find the latest content. Follow us on social media at Restoring Our City on Facebook and Instagram and The Rock Podcast on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. You can also submit your anonymous questions to us on our website via the Ask Me Anything link. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and also on Spotify, where you can watch the video version of the podcast and answer poll questions and Q&As. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. everybody welcome back to another episode of restoring our city podcast my name is justin thomas i'm joined with my co-host jobin verghese and bejoy samuel what's up guys what's up what's up man another week another episode another week another episode and if you've been here for the last couple of weeks we are in a mini series called and they'll know we are christians by our blank Supposedly, it should be love, as the old song says, but oftentimes we are known for so many other things. And I think this week uh, we have got a good one for you. It is on, and they'll know we're Christians by our failure. Speaking about getting known for our failure, there was a New York Times article that came out. It's called The Dissenters uh, Trying to Save evangelicalism from itself man that's a mouthful but it's an opinion article uh from the new york times by a man named david brooks i'm sure many of you have seen it it's the black cross with the gold foil lines all over i'm just curious have you guys had a chance to read it and if so any initial thoughts on that yeah it was interesting uh it's crazy how the theme really (laughs) relates to our series too um even though it was published after so don't take credit for it um but it's interesting to see this portrayal of evangelicalism and and christianity and how this label has been slapped on you know you know our faith and it's kind of you know seeing all the negative attributes which is kind of sad yeah and uh even within there they reference some of the bigger things that we've seen recently whether it's been a revy zacharias or uh, even mars hill which is a very popular uh, podcast going on right now about a prominent follow of a church called Mars Hill out in, in the uh, West Coast with Mark Driscoll. But all of these things uh, just coming out just seems to feel like, man, we're getting bashed in some senses on on sides. Bajor, do you, do you feel the same way? I do, man. And, you know, it's, it's not just like, I mean, the things that we hear about are a lot of the evangelical um, churches and leaders, but I also think in the, the traditional churches, right? regardless of denominations, even in the Indian community, um, there is issues everywhere as well, you know? So I do agree with you. I feel like we're in this weird season where like we are just getting shaken up, you know? Yeah, I think shaken up, that's a really good word. And just even speaking about our community more specifically, I was recently seeing an article about, um, I believe a priest within the Orthodox church that got transferred from America in order to kind of hide up uh, or cover up the abuses that he might have committed. And they just kind of transferred him over to India. And some things are coming out about that. So it's not just, um, you know, just like you said, an issue of white evangelicalism out there, but it, it really does hit home to the Indian community, which is really good about sweeping things under the rug in order to save face. Um, so I guess one of the questions I have is how does 
how do these failures actually make you feel, right? Like you hear these stories, you see these things come out. How does it make you feel and why? Mad, like I wanna, I just wanna like, um, I don't know, like when you cancel your cable and you try to like get to the highest level executive and be like, hey, I want my refund. You know, like I, I kind of feel like um, you wanna yell at somebody and hold them accountable. Um, but you know, that's not the Christian way. That's just me, you know, reacting to some of these things. And one of the things that really irks me is when it's a type of failure too, right? Like there are mistakes, you know, that I think about it. I, I was thinking about this topic as we were planning to record. And I'm like, the first time I ever saw church politics, I was eight years old. It's been like 30 years of junk, right? I would never throw away my faith for it, but I saw a lot of dumb stuff things that I would lose sleep over. And then some things that really made me mad, like really mad. And when we talk about abuses of power, you know, there's sometimes where it's like, wow, that's just a bad leader, but then things get really painful and hurtful for people that can damage people, like their psyche for the rest of their lives. And, and that kind of stuff just really irks me. We're told that like we need to be sharing our faith, right? And there is, there's a lot of good that comes out of like, what we believe in the gospel, right? There's hope there. There's all kinds of things, but it's like with all of these issues that are going on in leadership, like why would anybody want to be a part of a Christian community, right? Like I know I'm not perfect, right? But then there's something about leadership where it's like when you're in these roles, you're kind of the, you're, you're kind of responsible for, for how you carry yourselves in some sense too, right? But it's like when we're watching all of these leaders across the board and churches just failing, I'm thinking to myself, like, why is the church even enticing for anybody? Like, why would someone who's not a Christian even want to be a part of this, right? Like, it's just all messy. Yeah. And I love the way that you put that. I think, you know, why would anyone want to be a Christian if we're known for uh, our failures in some senses? And it is sad to see at a macro level in society how, you know, articles like the Times are just commonplace now, just as, you know, just showing just how imperfect the church is. And then also, you know, Jobin, when you when you said church politics, it was funny because um, I think one of our listeners submitted this question on when is it okay to call someone out for false humility? Um, and that's actually the term that comes to my mind. I think a lot of times within the Indian Christian community, I see a lot of leaders that clearly, you know, love the, to be able to lead, uh, whether it's a church or their position. And, you know, they, they always act correctly, right? Like they act uh, according to their title, but you know that there is this, this pride that sort of overlays all of it and that idea of false humility. And so just to kind of frame that question, uh, maybe a little bit differently, do you feel like that might be, you know, the, the problem within the church, it's leadership having this, this sense of false humility. And if so, what do we do about it to potentially help the situation? What are we defining as false humility? Like, how would you? Hey, yeah, that's a good question. Um, and that's a good question um, for all of us to potentially maybe define before we answer this um, as well. I think false humility to me, it's almost like, um, you know, when you, you, it's kind of what I said, when you act correctly, 
but you know that your true intentions are almost self-centered or self-focused. That's at least what I think of when I think of false humility, but I don't know if you guys would disagree or agree with that. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. And I think um, when we talk about false humility, it's, you know, we're trying to, you know, be humble, but, you know, we're really putting it under a false pretense. And um, I think it's, it's just another way to be prideful, right? Like, you don't want to, you want to shy away from actually helping somebody or you're caring about how you look, you don't want to look too arrogant. So I'm not going to help someone. And, you know, I was reading this article where it talks about that kind of attitude means that you love yourself more than you love somebody else. And I think that's a real clear indicator of being prideful in a sense, right? Without being arrogant, but you're still prideful. Yeah, hopefully that uh, helps a little bit, Bajoy, too. And and just so once again, to kind of come back to that, that question, do you feel like that's part of the, the root problem here, right? Whenever we see these leaders fall, is it due to potentially false humility? Or do you think it's, it's maybe something else? I mean, I would say it's not just false humility, because there's lots of different problems. There's, there's right. a problem of power, I think, and pride. So like, if you want to loop in pride as part of being, uh, uh, you know, false humility and put it under that category. I think pride and power, there's two things that are really a problem in the churches. And I think that Times article talked about power being a central piece of this, where churches want to, especially like evangelical churches, it doesn't have some of the same structures as other different types of faith. You got this one person who's in power and they get tripped up if they lose some of that power. And then they tend to abuse it when they see it slipping. And, And I think that's really scary and some of the core issues in in some of the churches today. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that, you know, leadership in in these Christian churches have that they're they are they have to be held to a higher standard, right? Because they're responsible for the community and the people. But I, I wonder too, like, is part of us being so destroyed by these failures, you know, is it because we feel like um we've the perception that we've created is that Christians are perfect and that we're flawless i wonder if we if it was different like if people saw the the humanness of it right and the failure of of our faith but yes yet the hope and the grace and the forgiveness that comes with it right would the failures of these leaderships hit as hard i don't know does that make sense yeah no that completely makes sense but joy and i think you know for me that's that's a tough question to answer um i think on one one sense you're right. I think as Christian leaders, it's few and far in between where we see actual humility um, and, and genuine humility, but more so just genuine vulnerability um, come out. And maybe that is a harder for leaders to do because so many eyes look upward toward them. And maybe that does create a, a sense of pride there. But on the flip side, you know, I think what's sad is when you look at the world, right? How many stories have we heard of, you know, sexual abuse in a secular sense, or you you hear issues of power uh, from outside the Christian community, or you see these failures, and then you come to look at Christianity, and we're having the same things. It, it's so sad to see that there is no difference, right? They won't know we're Christians by or anything because we're no different at at all. And I think that yes, we, we have to be more vulnerable and, and that will ease in some senses the shock of some of these things. But 
at the same time, what does it tell us when we're not seeing a difference? You know, that that's, it's kind of scary to me. And I would actually add to that too, because I think one of the reasons why it hits, I mean, I'll speak for myself, why it hurts me so much is because there's so much good that happens in that place, right? In a church where a lot of times, you know, you've lived with people in community doing life together and doing all the Christian stuff, but you actually see some true life change. And then you see somebody fail there, man, that hurts. Because like, for me, wow, I really believe in the story of the gospel and the saving work of Jesus Christ. And then somebody sees a mistake in someone else and they throw away that story completely. That hurts because you're really throwing away truth. You're throwing away the good because of the blemish. And, and I think that's really painful. There's so much good that's happening. Like you said, Jobin, like there are lives being changed. There are people that like, when I think about my own story, like there's a deep impact that is a result of, of the gospel, right. That I can't shake myself from or separate myself from, but you explain that part of it to somebody. And then the scandals and the issues and stuff come up. And all of a sudden that, that uh, covers up all the good that's happening, right? Like we're just a, uh, a society that is drawn to the negative and the scandals and all of that, that I'm not downplaying any of the stuff that has happened in our church or with our leadership. I think, you know, it is messed up how much we've been shaken up and, and like the lack of accountability in certain instances. But I also think that those things have been elevated so much. And the, the failures have been elevated so much that it just takes away from the good. And, and I think that's what bothers me too, is like, oh, like, this is another thing now that's in the eyes of the world, right? This, this person failed, this leader failed, but then now everyone's going to forget about the, or, or no one's even want to want to hear about the good things that were happening. Yeah. No one's going to hear the end of the story. <laughs> They're just like focused on the beginning part where everybody messes up. You don't get to the climax or even the resolution. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's really what's so bothersome. It gets clouded. The whole story gets clouded. You know, just to kind of, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, maybe taking it aside a little bit, but when we're talking about all the good that happens within the church, when is the last time either of you heard a prominent good story um, about a church and that being widely known within the Christian community? I don't think I have. No, I mean, I've heard some local things like people raising money and doing things, but nothing like on this massics. You're not going to get a New York Times article on it. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the point, right? Like there are good things that are kind of that happen, but you're right. It's not, it's, those are things that are not going to get a New York Times article. Right. And you know, what's funny. It's, yeah, you're right. Maybe not to the level of some national prominence from like a news media outlet. It might not show up, but sometimes when, you know, when you read the Bible, right. And you see Paul, right. Sometimes Paul writes to a church like, yo, I love that y'all love these brothers and sisters y'all don't know. And we have heard the good that you're doing where you're at. And it's like, man, you know, us as Christians, when we see these failures, I feel like sometimes we respond to it just like the world does, right? Like we become our own TMZ network within the church itself. So what does that say about us when we're responding just like the world um, to the failures that we're seeing within? And then I think a follow-up to that would be, how should we be responding to these? That's a good point. You know, as I was listening to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill in that podcast series, one of my immediate reactions was, is this more tabloid journalism? And are we just harping on the failures of a pastor? And the more I listened to it, I realized, wow, there's some real 
credible evidence here of, of failure, but you know, with podcasts and different, you know, YouTube channels and all these kind of things to just harp on uh, the failures of people. Sometimes our reactions can be to amplify the noise a little bit, but we have to really bring that back to the resolution of the saving grace of who Jesus is, right? Like if I heard that podcast series on the rise and fall of Mars Hill without highlighting the good work that the church did and without just pointing at the failures, then I would be like, wow, this is just call out culture and cancel culture and all this kind of stuff. But if there's no love and there's no accountability to bring people back together for true restoration, then you're just playing the same game that everybody else is in every other industry. Yeah, I think we're, uh, we're very much people who are drawn to, it's easy for us to gossip, but then you don't think about, okay, well, what was the response of the leadership team? You know, where did it ultimately lead to for that leader that failed, right? Was there repentance? Was there, you know? So we just focus so much on the, the details of the failure that we don't, we don't see everything else that might be happening around it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really good. And, and, you know, for me, when I, when I think about it, I like how you, you framed it, Bajoya, right? Like if we only talked about the failure without recognizing um, some of the good things that came out of, you know, these broken communities that we're all part of, uh, then we would just turn it into gossip. But um, I think, you know, at least at a micro level for me, when we hear about failures such as, you know, abuses from maybe prominent leaders such as Ravi Zacharias or Bill Hybels, or you hear about failures um, coming from church leadership such as Amaris Hill or even, um, you know, churches out in uh, with James McDonald out here with Harvest, you know, we would be remiss if we we didn't at least reflect and see, man, how do we set up systems within our own churches and reflect so that those kind of things um, can be held accountable here and even prevented uh, early on, at least at a, a micro level, that's what comes to mind for me, but more on a societal level, right? Like when we see um, things coming out, just like this Times article, New York Times article, that was really widely spread and prominent, you know, how can we really react to those things? I think, you know, within the Christian community, in some senses, when we go out into the world, and this is big news in some senses, you know, how should we be responding to that, you know, outside of a Christian community? Yeah. And I think just having the accountability structures in place, right? Like when we talk about societal level, how do we avoid this from happening again, right? How do we set up systems in place? I think it's like the Bible speaks to these kind of formulations and these structures and the way the church should be organized. But man, it's, it's hard when you see these leaders fail to tap into that, right? And it's, maybe it's the pride, maybe it's the ego and it's the numbers driven type of like, I want my church to be the biggest and I want to fill a football stadium full of people and show everybody, hey, you know, look what I did on Sunday. But it's like losing the heart motive and maybe you started it out the right way, but then you lose it along the way because your ego gets inflated. I think a lot of that is there, but like the Bible really teaches us about accountability and elders and discipleship to really put the system in place so that our society doesn't collapse on our own sinfulness because it's there, it's going to come out and we need to be really relying on each other so that we're not in this for ourselves. We're really in this for other people. Yeah, so I think that um, it's very easy for us when we are caught up or entangled in like whatever it is that we're going through to convince ourselves that what we're going through is either not that big of a deal 
or that we have control over it, you know? And when I think about that for myself and things that I've struggled with, um, you know, that I can convince myself very easily that I don't need to bring other people into that. Like I can control the situation. And I wonder even as leaders, if that's the same thing that's going on, like, yeah, this is, yeah, maybe this is an issue that they recognize, but it's not that big of an issue that they need to like make it known, right? Or that they feel like they've got control over it. And so there's this level of pride that comes right before the fall. No, that's really, really good. In fact, you know, that verse comes to mind, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Um, And that is James. And that's part of, you know, being part of community. I think, you know, one of the most encouraging things for me is, is in my seasons of sin and failure, right? Like my small group, my leaders, um, there are people that surround you, um, both for accountability and discipline, but also to make sure that you're on a path of redemption, right? Like, it's not just failure, and you're canceled, but failure, and let's see how you can uh, improve here. Now, I know that's a different case with leadership, because the higher you are, the harder to fall, right? Like, there's just some standards when broken, it can never get to that place again, potentially. Um, but no, that was really good, Bajoy. You know, I, I appreciate the conversation too, right? Like accountability, you know, forgiveness, redemption, like let's not make mistakes, but we have to be vulnerable enough to make mistakes. I, I don't want to like sugarcoat all of it. And maybe I'm very skeptical because I don't think some of these churches and some of these organizations are going to do anything about it. And I, I hate to sound so you know, defeatist about it. But you know what? I'll be honest with you. Last season, we did this episode on Ravi Zacharias. And we started talking about some of these churches in our Indian community who have dealt with instances of sexual abuse. I wrote a letter to some of these denominations in the churches that I grew up in. Nobody got back to me. Nobody, I know they're not flooding in emails, but like nobody got back to me. It scares the crap out of me, to be honest, that there's going to be people who don't care. And they don't want to deal with this because of their pride, ego, money, whatever it is. And like, what could we do besides like, Hey, pray about it. Like there's people going through some real trauma, right? Like, do we have to put pressure on some of these people to start talking about it, making sure that it's like, there's a policy in place? Like what? I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here. What do you guys think we should do to hold people more accountable rather than just say, Hey, just have a board of elders. But like, when you see it publicly like this, like a lot of these instances, there's gotta be some kind of action and resolution, right? No, you're 100% correct. And I think, you know, it is, that is scary, right? Just what you said right there. If you're not uncomfortable by that, you know, maybe we should do some self-reflection for, for all of us, but um, you know, sometimes change at such a large level happens with, you know, the small dominoes falling. And that's why it's important to be part of a local church, be part of a local body, be part of a local community, because you can affect change there, right? Sometimes when you see these big failures, you may not be like, how can we tackle this all at once for the entire scope of Christianity? You can't, um, but you can at your local church, right? When, when these things happen, you should go in and ask, well, where is our policy? What do our bylaws say? How do we, how are you? pastor being held accountable where is like our church polity and in fact right instead of going to a a general body meeting and arguing about how we should spend finances for bigger parking lots maybe some of these things ought to be brought up uh if you're out there and listening so that's where uh, my head's at with that jobin but bajoy i don't know if you're gonna uh, agree or differ there you know when i think about our indian culture especially you think about stuff in your family, right? 
everybody's so hush hush about issues or mistakes because what's important to them is the perception of other people, right? They don't want to be presented or they don't want people to look at them in a negative way. And I think that the church does the same thing, you know, where they protect the leaders, they want to protect the dignity of the church and the community. So they handle things very discreetly, or they just kind of gloss over it, or they, or they try to protect the leader more than like the community, you know? Yeah, 100%. And I think I completely agree with you there. You know, in some senses, I feel like this recent, you know, shaking of the church, if you will, with all these scandals that have been coming out, I do think in some senses, you know, our community here in, in Western side, I hope is getting, you know, better because of these things. And there is some real change that is happening at a local level that we might see. So I think to kind of wrap this episode up, we talked so much about our perception of failures, both within general society and both within the Christian community. But just like we end um, all of our episodes for this series, how can we change that perception from they'll know we're Christians by our failure to they will know we're Christians by our love where it ought to be? I think the only way forward is to like recognize the failures within us, right? Like the problem of failure is not going away. We're going to continue to fail, but we have to understand that we have the gospel and we can come to Jesus with our failures and, and cast all of our cares upon him. Not to give you this Christianese answer, right? But it's like, we have to understand how our life is going to go forward. We're not going to be perfect. And there's only one person who's perfect. And I think the story of the gospel makes it so much more attractive when you understand that he comes to us as sinners. He comes to us, right? And like, I'm not going to wipe away all the, the failures to dictate what the foundation of my faith is. It's because actually that's one of the, the, the most attractive things is because he actually takes me out of that brokenness. And so instead of always projecting failure on other people and then trusting them, I want to really recognize it in myself. Cause once I see it in myself, I have compassion for others. And I think that really, that's really got to be the first step to get rid of the pride from ourselves to understand how broken we are. So then, you know, just the light of who God is just shines that much more brighter. No, that's really good. And just to add on to that, I think, um, you know, early on in the pandemic, I had the opportunity to help out with um, crew and specifically design movement host this interfaith panel on how different um, religions kind of tackle this issue of social justice, because it was such a, a big thing going around in the country. And so we had this exchange toward the end of, uh, with my college pastor, his name was uh, Pastor Tony and this uh, Muslim uh, assistant imam slash sheikh. And one of the things that really was etched in my mind was Tony uh, saying, hey, you know, as Christians, you know, I want to apologize for the things that we have done, such as the Crusades, such as um, all the tension that even occurs sometimes in the land of, of Israel, because as Christians, um, we believe our inheritance is not just here and we should be able to give up you know, our lands and all these different things in order for someone else to know what the gospel is. And oftentimes we have failed, you know, even historically, and rather than shying away from it, he kind of tackled it head on. Now I had another one of my friends text me on the side after that exchange and say, man, that moment um, as a Muslim brought me to tears because I've never heard a religious leader do that. And I think that's, somewhere where it is right 
we show love not by hiding our failures, but we show love through owning our failures, right? And I think part of that is the gospel, right? It's not um, just coming uh, to, to God and saying, yeah, we never did anything bad, therefore you can accept us, but rather saying, hey, I really did mess up and I don't deserve any of this, but the cross shows us grace. And I think that right there was an extension, right? Uh, of how we, we do that. How do we change that perception? It's, it's really owning it and, and really repenting, right? As we ought to. But once again, if you guys have anything that's on your mind that you would want to relate to us, just like this question that we tackled this week, you can always go to restoringourcity.org and hit the ask us anything uh, button. And we will definitely bring it up on a future recording. As always, follow us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, wherever your social media outlets are. And if you do want to participate more in these uh, podcasts, you can always go to Spotify in addition to any other podcast, but specifically Spotify because we are putting up our videos there and you can answer this week's polls question. So we can't wait to continue this series and continue this conversation. Thanks for listening to this episode. Check us out at restoringourcity.org. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify to get the latest content. The Restoring Our City podcast is hosted by Jobin Verghese, Jasmine Thomas, and Bajoy Samuel. Graphics by Claire Skelly, Alexander Skowalski, and Teresa Studley. Our music is Jazzy Abstract Beat by Coma Media from Pixabay. Thanks again for listening.